Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. A long, long time ago, but it's like being uh, back home and we just feel that sense of belonging and being with you. Praise the Lord. So you can tell by the color of my skin, we recently had a break. And we're back in Greece. And, uh, and, you know, it's like being on a mission. Holiday slash mission. And so I want to just tell you that, yeah, the holiday was great, but we had some amazing opportunities to share Jesus. You know, in June, my wife's got a particular swimming style that causes the lifeguards to give her maximum attention. And uh, this time she couldn't do any swimming because of the eye problems, couldn't do any swimming. But the lifeguard came and spoke to her. His very Greek name, Pagiogolus. And uh, Pagiogolus started chatting to her and said, look, because um, they have to do national service in Greece, he said, I've got to go to the army for a year. And uh, so Sharon being chanting, said, look, you know, going to the army, they talked about it and said, Look, I'll get my husband. Do you mind if he prays for you? And she said, would you pray? So I pray for Pagiogolus. And wow, the presence of God, the blessing of God was upon him. And he responded to that. And he did the Greek Orthodox thing, three crosses after his But it didn't matter. He, he was so moved by the prayer. And then a couple of days later, before he finished for the, going off to the army, we were able to present him with a Mark's Gospel journey to life and just share Jesus with him. And so, what a thrill. So I want you to pray for Pagiogolus, or Paggy if you can't remember the rest. And that's good. And then some of the, you know, you see those people coming across the sea from Turkey and there's migrants. There's a couple of those that we've been witnessing, sharing with and uh, encouraging in the faith. A couple of Christian believers, one called Kudos. He's got a whole pile of books to take and share with other people. And then another one called Clement. Clement is only we saw him this year in June. And he's, uh, he was lacking Christian fellowship. We were able to encourage him and follow up on that and, and, and give him some more books to read and pray with him and encourage him. And even looked up on Google some evangelical churches in Thessaloniki for him to go to in the off season. And so really encourage him to so pray for Clement and for Kudos. And... Uh, and then others we prayed for, the manager of a, the reception manager at one of the uh, restaurants. You know, we prayed for her last June and this June, and uh, she was so just moved by that. And so holidays, ain't they great opportunities? But particularly pray for Paggy and for Pagiogolus and for Kudos and for Clement. Amen. If you have a Bible tonight, turn to Matthew's Gospel. And chapter 4, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Verse 19, in the version I have, it says, He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. But if you have the New International Version, or a New Living Translation, or the Amplified Bible, it will say, and he said to them, Come. I love that word there. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. Come. I think it's great to add the word come. If you're in a Welsh congregation, we like the word come. We like saying, come by here. Let me give you a kutch. Or, you know, come, come. It's a welcoming word, a wonderful word. So when I read the New, the New King James, it was missing. I was disappointed. But I was pleased. I looked up the NIV, the NLT, and it said, yeah, it's got come. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Come. Come. Follow me. You know, that's important to us. That would come even. Because in the Old Testament, it's keep your distance. The message of the Old Testament is keep your distance. You know, if you look at, for example, Exodus chapter 19, just maybe just a show you that to you. Exodus 19, verse 10 to 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them tomorrow, today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. From the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You should set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves. You do not go up to the mountain or touch its base, Whoever touches the mountain shall be surely put to death. Wow, that's not a come expression, is it? That's keep your distance, keep away, be careful, you know? And even to come and have a little look at a even distant distance, you've got to wash your clothes, you've got to, you know, all these restrictions. It goes on in verse 20. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up, and the Lord says, Go down and warn the people as they break through and gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Wow. So, Old Testament, keep your distance. Keep your distance. But thank God that's not the message of the New Testament. That's not the message of the New Testament. The New Testament message, as we've read in our text tonight, is come, 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 follow me. In, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, in Matthew 11 and verse 28, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me that I am gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come. Come to me. 
come to me. That's the message. You know, we, in that passage we read in Matthew 4, it says all the blind, the lame, the sick, the paralytics, the epileptics, from all around, they came. They came to him and they were healed. That's our Jesus. You know, on the cross, I don't believe the cross as a mode of execution was an accident in the plan of God. You know, they could have stoned someone to death. They could have hung someone. But no, it's a cross. I think the very symbol of the cross tells us, come, arms outstretched from our crucified Savior. It says, come to me. And we see it even enacted on the cross with the, the dying thief. You know, the thieves are there either side of him and they're both having a bit of a go at him. And then one of them begins to recognize, hang on, there's something different about him. And so he says to his, his fellow, he says, look, be quiet. This man has done nothing amiss. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me. Not your usual, what we call sinner's prayer. It's a cry from the heart. And that's what matters with God. It's a cry from the heart. And, and Jesus says, today you should be with me in paradise. Today you should be with me in the immediate presence of my Father. What beautiful words. Oh, the arms outstretched are welcoming arms. Come, come, come to me. But to come back to our text tonight in Matthew 4 and verse 19, then he said to them, come, follow me. It says in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Have you ever wondered about that? You know, we read these things and you say, oh yeah, that, yes, Jesus. So they bound to leave their nets and follow Jesus. But they didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know what we know. They didn't see the end of the story. They only saw it at that point that this stranger turns up. He's beginning to develop a reputation as a healer and a teacher. But, you know, they don't really know him. He comes along and says, come follow me. And they leave their nets. They leave their livelihood. They leave that which would provide for their families. They leave all that support. They leave all of that and follow him. Have you ever thought about that? Have you wondered what would make these men do that? Maybe not. <laughs> but, but it's a challenge, isn't it? Is it because Jesus was so charismatic? Was Jesus, didn't he have a kind of some way with words, some hold over people that made them do that? What, what was it? What was going on there? That they left their nets hearing the words of this relative stranger, they leave their nets and follow him. What is going on that causes that to happen? We get a bit more of a clue if you turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 fills in quite a bit more detail about what's going on. In... Uh, Luke chapter 5, as we're introduced to the chapter, we find that these same fishermen, they've been out fishing all night and have not caught anything. And all they've got to show for their efforts through the night, 
through those tiring hours is torn gnats. How frustrating. You know, you sat there just mending your nets. No fish, nothing to sell. Zilch. And you've got to just then fix your nets and get ready to do the same process the next night. How disheartening. How discouraging. And as they're doing that, this relative stranger, who we know is Jesus, comes along as a great crowd of people following him. And the crowd's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he needs some, some kind of platform from which to, to speak so he can address the whole crowd and, and have that sort of a rapper with the whole congregation, the whole crowd. And, and so he says to these guys who are mending their nets, these despondent, disheartened guys today, can I borrow one of your boats, please? Can I use it as a platform to, to speak to this crowd? And they say, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, it's no use to us. And they're all miserable. And Yeah, help yourself. You know, they couldn't care less. They're a bit fed up with it by then. And then Jesus teaches. I don't know. He, he doesn't tell us what he taught on that occasion. As you study the Gospels, Jesus often would use different parts of what we call the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He would use that and repeat parts of that and use other illustrations, maybe a few parables. We don't know what he taught, but he taught, and we, we do know this, that whenever Jesus taught, he taught as one having authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus taught, and the people, wow, they listened and thought, wow, his words are amazing. And as these fishermen, they're, they're still, I can just imagine them, just still mending their nets. And suddenly, you know, they're just forgetting about that. And they say, wow, wow, what amazing words. We've never heard anyone teach like this. Wow, this is amazing. And, and they just get taken up like the rest of the crowd, just listening to these amazing words from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they finish when Jesus finished his message, when he finished his speaking, it says in verse 4 of Luke 5, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now remember that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, not so far, he's a bit further around the Sea of Galilee on the hillside, Nazareth, they probably would have heard about him and his father Joseph, the local carpenters. So a carpenter is now speaking to fishermen and saying, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now there's two things wrong with this. If you study the fishing they were doing, one, they fished in the shallows. It's called drag net fishing. That's why their nets often got broken. And two, they did it at night time. You never did it in the heat of the day when the sun is at its height because the fish aren't around. So there are two big things wrong. And so one would expect that Peter, who tended to be the one who spoke most, you think Peter would say, hang on, Mr. Carpenter. You know, you leave fishing to us. Yeah, you're a pretty good preacher, and you do a good job on wood, but 
Fishing's our business. We do not fish in the deep. We do not fish at, in the midst of the day. We fish at night in the shadows. Is that what your Bible says? That's what, you know, there's lots of miracles taking place. And there's a miracle taking place here. Because it says in verse 5, that Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night <clears throat> and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Wow. Nevertheless, at your word. You see, as they listen to the words of Jesus, they realize there's power in his words. There was something about him that was so different. He taught, as I've said, with authority. And as they listened to those words, those words burned into their hearts. That's what the Word of God does. The Scripture isn't just a book like Shakespeare. It's the living Word of God. And when we read it, when we hear it, when it's read to us, or when we listen to it spoken about like this, Something burns within our heart. It does something inside us. That's God's living word at work. And Peter began to recognize that. He said, Lord, at your word. Because he realized that the words of Jesus, there's the general words, which is, the Greek is logos, but there's also the special word, what we call the rhema word. He said, Lord, if you speak the word, you speak the word, things are going to happen. Miracles are going to occur. Lord, speak the word at your word. It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by the word. When God speaks the word in the beginning, in creation, God spoke, the spirit moved, the world was created. Out of darkness and nothingness and chaos, the world came into being. If God can speak into darkness and chaos and nothingness, He can speak His word into any situation in our lives, however confused, however chaotic, however, however much a mess it is, God can do a miracle and bring it together. Hallelujah, by His word, by His spirit. And Peter was grasping hold of that. He said, Lord, nevertheless, it's your word. And so they... When they've done this, they, they launch out their boats, not where they normally go, but out of the deep. And they cast their nets the other side, they normally do. And wow, suddenly every fish in Galilee was fighting to get into those nets. <laughs> wow. Some big fish, small fish, some pretty vicious looking fish as well in that. You know, if you're in the Jordan, and you think, oh, I have a paddle in Jordan. Be look out, because some big fish are coming to bite you. Not that I've experienced it, but someone when I went to Israel said he was baptizing in Jordan. And, and there he was, about baptizing. He just made a bite in the back of his leg. From one of these fish. But there are all these fish piling into the nets. Piling into the nets. And it says in verse 6, And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. 
when Simon Peter saw it, he said, fell down Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, as were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Wow. That would give me a reason for them leaving their nets. But I think there's another reason. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty amazing. And You know, I would say, Jesus, do you want to sign a contract, join our fishing business? No, there's another reason I want to share with you, which we wouldn't normally think of, but the even more powerful reason than the one I've just given you, of why these fishermen left their nets and followed Jesus. Let me explain to you. In the times of the Old Testament and leading up even to the times of Jesus, Israeli education went something like this. Both boys and girls received a basic education up to a certain age. You know, eight, nine, ten. But then the girls, that was as far as the girls went. They were said, right, you go back home and just work in the houses and become in the future good mothers and good wives and mothers and so on. That was the lot of the Jewish girl in those times. The Jewish boys would then continue through an education program and they would be expected to memorize the first five books of the Bible. The Torah. Can anyone here quote a scripture from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? I think here tonight between us, you know, we might manage a dozen do you think we can manage a dozen between us? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right, I've done one, anyone else? You know, they had to memorize the first five, what we call the first five books of the Bible. Boom, boom, day in, day out. And then, when they got to age 12, when they studied the law, they would then attend their bar mitzvah which literally bar is son of, mitzvah, son of the law. They now study the law, memorize the law, and they're called sons of the law. They have their bar mitzvah, their coming of age thing in Jewish customs, celebration. But that wasn't the end of education. For the boys then, those who've done that and done that well, We'll go on to the next stage. Go to the next level for some more intense teaching with the rabbis and with the teachers. But if you are not up to it, if you'd failed the first level, then in those very religious, restrictive times, those boys will be told, right, you just go and get jobs. You just go and get traded. You go and just get an occupation. 
You're ignorant and unlearned. You have made it. Right. But the rest, we're going to go through some more phases. And it, you know, we get a feel of this even in Luke chapter 2 with the Lord Jesus when he goes up to the temple age 12 for his bar mitzvah. And then afterwards, when Mary and Joseph, they, they begin to go back home, Jesus remains and he's talking with the, the, the teachers of the law. Because when they go back in Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 46, 47, they find him talking with the teachers of the law and, and debating with them and asking them questions. You know, as if saying, yeah, I'm ready for the next stage. And that's what would happen. The boys would go to the next stage and they go through more tests. And, and those who didn't make it, right, you go off, get jobs, occupations, until you get just a small number. would eventually reach the top in this restrictive religious sort of selection procedure. The ones who might just make it to become future rabbis. And when they've done some more interviews and more selections, the rabbi to the selected young man would say these precious words come follow me for the family that would be such a, a, a great moment it's like somebody getting a first in Oxford or Cambridge they say wow this is such a moment and, and the words that the family would speak to that um, young man has been chosen to become a future rabbi who's going to f follow the rabbi teacher they would say may the dust of the rabbi be upon you strange expression but what it means is follow closely the rabbi follow him learn everything you can from him so that his dust will come upon you you're so close that the dust that he kicks up will fall upon you because you're walking so close. Keep walking close that you will arrive at that destination and become a future rabbi. Wow. Come, follow me. With the words that every Jewish young boy wanted to hear. To know that they've gone through the selection They've made that great achievement and they're going to become a future rabbi. Well, back to the fishermen. You can guess by the fact they were fishermen, they did not make it. In fact, I think it's in Luke 4, sorry, in Acts chapter 4, it says of them, the religious people said, hmm. These are ignorant and unlearned men. Which is an expression saying, hey, they didn't make it at school. They got to their bar mitzvah and got thrown out. You know, they didn't learn. The, they didn't manage to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They didn't answer all the questions. They failed the tests. They got thrown out. They're just fishermen. Ignorant and unlearned. That's our Peter and Andrew and James and John. And their families would have been disappointed because that was what every Jewish mother and father wanted their son to, to go to the next stage and the next stage and the next stage and go through that selection and become that one. 
and they didn't. And so that was the heart and desire. Oh, to hear those words, come, follow me. But then, in our text, Matthew chapter 4, along comes a rabbi of rabbis. Along comes the greatest teacher of all. Along comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to these ignorant and unlearned fishermen, he says the words they thought they'd never hear. He says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, be my disciple. May my dust be upon you, the dust of holiness, of humility, of servanthood, of power, of wisdom, and so on and so on. Ah, oh, be my disciple. Oh, are you getting where this is going tonight? The Old Testament system, very restrictive, religious restrictive. But along comes Jesus. And suddenly the door is open. And he's saying to everyone, not to the select few, he's saying to everyone, come, follow me, come, be my disciples. You know, this story is a beautiful expression of the grace of God. Undeserved, unmerited love and favor of God, that God doesn't have favorites, that God doesn't look for the, 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 the super intelligent or the, the super religious or super this or super that. God says to everyone, come, follow me. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know, when I heard about this and read about this, I got, wow, that's exciting. That's really great, Lord. Oh, you're calling all of us. You're calling us. You're saying, come, come, come. What a beautiful, beautiful God you are. Whosoever will may come. What to do? Just to come and sit in a church? What to do? Just come and on a Sunday, midweek maybe. What to do? No, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. To follow the example of Jesus. To, dis to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. To live close to Him. Oh, I trust we'll get that tonight. Because this is the area that as churches maybe in the past we haven't been as good at as we should have been. And that's the area of discipleship. We've said, oh yeah. We said, come, yeah, we've said that. Oh, yeah, people have got, given their lives to Jesus. They say, now you just come and sit in the pews and make up the numbers in our meetings. We'll all be very happy. But Jesus never said do that. No. He says it's all about following. It's all about becoming a follower, a disciple, living out the example of Jesus. Becoming holy as he is holy. Humble as he is humble. Being a servant, he's a servant. Moving in the power of God. Moving, understanding and sharing the wisdom of God. Oh, comes as being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He says, come, follow me, be my disciple. You know, in Matthew 28, the last instructions Jesus gave before he ascended to heaven, in Matthew's account, we refer to it as the uh, Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and get people to make decisions. Does anyone in this Bible say that? No. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. Discipleship is at the heart of Jesus. From the call of the disciples, come, follow me, it was a call to discipleship through his three-year ministry where he spent time with them, where they, to use a phrase that people often use, they did life with him. They saw him going from one place of prayer to another place of prayer, in between working miracles and teaching people with authority. And so they say, Lord, teach us to pray. That's how you talk in discipleship language. See, Lord, we've seen the power that you pray, and then we see the power of the miracles, the teaching. Lord, we need to learn how to pray. We can be like that. That's discipleship talk. It comes as we do life, as we get involved, as we want to follow Jesus. Walking in His ways, walking in His will, following His example, studying and applying His teaching. So is that what happened? Well, we turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. What a great day, the day of Pentecost. The beginning of the church. It's always good to study beginnings. You've heard me say before, the law of first reference. Get back to the beginning. That's where you find the teaching at its purest. What is church meant to be like? What, is, why, what should be the main functions? Uh, what should church do? Well, get back to Acts 2. And... Uh, of course, 3,000 were saved from the day of Pentecost. 3,000 gave their lives to Jesus, but it didn't stop there. They became followers. It says in verse 41 of Acts 2, those that gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So what did they do? Verse 42, they continued steadfastly. One version put it, they addicted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all believed were together, and all things in common, and so on and so on. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Wow. They became followers. They wanted more and more of the word. They're in prayer. They're in fellowship. They're praising. They're reaching out to the lost. Wow! They were disciples. 
And if you read on in Acts, you have time to do a full study on it tonight, but read on through Acts, and it'll use expressions like this, and the number of the disciples grew and multiplied. And then there were loads of them, well obviously the number of churches grew and multiplied. But the churches were full of disciples. If you want to study this a bit more, Paul the Apostle uses this rabbinical language when in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 he says for example be followers of me as I am of the Lord that's discipleship language like those people who follow the rabbi Paul says I'm following Jesus now you follow me walk in my dust may the dust of me be upon you oh can we say that tonight can we say that to people be followers of me as I am of the Lord we're all called to be followers we're all called to be disciples but then having followed we need to be an example to the next ones you know it's thrilling to hear what's happened this morning but hey we need to be examples that they will walk in our dust they'll catch what we've caught and we trust they're catching Jesus and they'll follow in that and then they'll go out and they'll start talking to their neighbors friends because when you get stuck and people saved in a church my experience I remember particularly in Potter and Frith was wow when God starts moving and the new converts start sharing because they're fresh and new to it you know they have a way of just talking to people straight as it is and they bring in more new people and they bring in more new people and before you know it you've got wow 300 it's not a problem building's a problem but 300 is not a problem wow as we follow as we follow as we follow oh the Lord said to these so called ignorant and unlearned fishermen the words they thought they'd never hear he says come follow Not religious restriction, but abundant grace. Anyone can become a follower because Jesus died and rose again. Jesus shed his blood that our sin, our faults, our failings can be forgiven. We can all become followers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.